0: Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to the Dynasty Tailgate podcast here, a part of the IDP Army Network of Shows. It is so good to have you. We are on to week 10 in college football. Um, we just had our first rankings of the college football playoff committee. Um or the ESPN awards, as I like to call them, the ESPN rankings. A um, couple of surprises. Obviously, you know, if anybody knows or listens, you know, I'm an Oklahoma fan that we found ourselves at number eight. Um, and that's okay. They don't have a good win on their schedule. They've kind of had a rocky season thus far. Spencer Rattler got benched during Texas. Caleb Williams came in and has looked like a star ever since. And that's kind of where Oklahoma stands. So, that's fine. I I don't have, you know, a lot of people have beef with these first rankings, but it's just for TV and all that. It doesn't really matter. If Oklahoma wins out, they're going to get in. Um, A lot of people were shocked that Oregon was ranked number four, but it's kind of funny the way that these rankings are done because you couldn't rank Oregon any lower because if they were ranked lower then Ohio state's got to be lower because then their loss gets worse. It's kind of like a, like a, never ending list of, you know, if this team does where, you know, if we rank this team low, then we got to rank another team low, which means we got to rank another team low. And it just becomes a, I don't know, kind of a bother. So I don't really pay attention to the rankings too much this early in the season. I don't think Alabama should be number two. I have not really seen them win any game impressively. I mean, they've beat up on a lot of bad teams, Um, Ohio state, I think has done the similar, similar path. They've haven't really had a good win yet. And both of those teams lost. So, you know, the fact that they're both up there, I don't know, kind of says a lot. And I, I just, I don't know, but every team's going to have a chance. There's, you know, every Ohio state's got to play Michigan state and Michigan, you know, that'll weed them out potentially Oregon, even if they win every game out, I don't think they're going to get in. Um, Alabama still has got to face the buzzsaw that is Georgia. And if they beat Georgia, then they deserve to be in like, it, it's going to kind of all work itself out. Really? It's just Cincinnati. Sorry. Desmond Ritter going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, maybe, but not, not going to be this year for Cincinnati. And it just sucks. Um, because it kind of gives off the, uh, you know, the appearance of, the games don't matter. And I, you know, I have always said this off, you know, this is a completely dynasty related show for rookies, but just getting my college football thoughts out of the way, they don't want teams in there that they think are going to get beat. It's all an opinion-based system. Um, Basically they're just putting all the teams up there. They think if we put this team against Georgia, how are they going to do and they don't know, and they're just guessing. And they think if they put Cincinnati in a game with Georgia that they're going to get, you know, beat really badly. And if you just look back, less than a year ago, Alabama or Cincinnati and Georgia played each other in the Peach Bowl. It, you know, Georgia won the game, but it wasn't by much. And you just never know. you got to play the games on the field. I don't appreciate when they make the games on the field not matter. And so that's why anytime you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I'm perplexed at how the games don't matter. Alabama got beat. Ohio State got beat. Oregon got beat. So why are they rewarded for not really winning any games of note, but losing a game of note? It just doesn't make any sense. But let's get on to the show. That's what we're here for. We're not here to talk about college football rankings and all that nonsense because it'll all figure itself out in the end. We just really want to see the best matchups um, because when you – are looking at talent that's going to the NFL really the only way that you can accurately and even give them a chance to see them in these big games. So, you know, for example, we saw Michigan state play Michigan past week, this past week, it was a great game. Kenneth Walker. I, I, I don't, I hate saying that he came out of nowhere, because he has been a starter all all the time he's been at Michigan State, he's earned his spot up there um, on the big board, and he had just completely ran through Michigan, and they they proved that as Michigan State is an undefeated team, and they beat Michigan, who has a really solid defense. You don't need to pass the ball. You don't need to do all that. Kenneth Walker, grown man, going to be a good quarter or good running back in the NFL. And I think it's just a three-running back, maybe four. Uh, I'll listen to a fourth. But I think when we're talking about running backs that you can draft this year that may actually make a difference this coming season, I think Kenneth Walker has got to be in that conversation now. We're not talking the first round of the NFL draft. But the second round, you know, like many people, Jonathan Taylor didn't go in the first round. Probably should have been, but he wasn't. Cam Third round. He got hurt, but he was solid coming out of Florida State. These guys don't go in the first day, but that doesn't mean that they're not workhorse backs. Not everybody's going to be a Derrick Henry, a Christian McCaffrey, where they go in the top of the draft. Or Nick Chubb, he was another one, I think. No, he went in the second round too. See that that should tell you everything right there. Is you don't have to go in the first round to make a difference at running back. And so although you're going to find these guys you know Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall, and then um, Kenneth Walker. You're going to find them in the second to third round. They're going to be pretty usable on day one. I have seen all I've needed to see from those three backs. They could be featured backs, every down backs. Um, they're not. It's not the best class ever at running back, but I'm coming around to believing that they could be starters right away. Um, I'm starting to listen to Zach Charbon, not Charbonnet. I'm I'm beginning to listen to him out of UCLA. I think he could be an every down back. It, it, It concerns me that he's splitting work right now, but Chip Kelly is kind of a weird offensive coordinator and him and using running backs are really odd. I think Zach has really shown that he can overcome even that kind of a coaching style. So I could listen to him being fourth. And then Kyron Williams, number five for me, I think, you know he's going to be a great passing down back what can he do in the running game i'm not positive yet because it seems like he's very up and down um, from week to week and that's going to mean something i think going forward so we'll have to see what happens um but i, I feel confident in the walker hall uh, spiller any of those guys where it you know it's all going to depend on where they end up obviously but If they get drive to do a team that needs a running back right away, your KCs, something like that, where they need a running back right away, I still think San Francisco's into the game. Um, Trey Sermon coming out last year, I thought for sure he would be um, usable day one there, and I can't really figure out what's going on with Kyle Shanahan. He's very bizarre, and Elijah Mitchell's done good, but – I don't think he's a long-term answer. I still don't. I mean, he's had a couple of good weeks, but I think they still could use a running back coming going forward, but we'll see what they have to do in the draft. Okay. So on to the quarterbacks, I have been all over the place with reading mock drafts about quarterbacks. Um, some people think there could be five in the first round. Some people think that there could be even upwards of six in the first round. I think people are crazy. <laughs> And I have seen very, very popular draft experts that are having two quarterbacks in the top five. I think that is very irresponsible for a GM to take them in the top five. The The talent that is at the top of this draft defensively can, you should not pass over that for a quarterback. I'm sorry The the quarterbacks this year are just not worth the pick. If you do want to go that route, try to trade back then like, you're still going to get really solid talent around seven or eight. If two teams take quarterbacks in the top five that have no business taking quarterbacks in the top five, Uh, the lions, for example, I saw in uh, Matt Miller's um, latest mock draft that he put out. He has, uh, I think it's the Eagles and the lions, both taking a quarterback in the top five of the draft based on the current draft order. I don't just, I don't agree with it at all. Um, I think neither of those teams, have to have a quarterback next year. There's not a quarter. I mean, Malik Willis, solid player. Kenny Pickett, solid player. Um, I think that they could mean a lot. Matt Corral has been really good too. I think all of these guys are just pretty good quarterbacks, but I don't know if they're transcendent. And I think if anything, one of these guys might end up being a generational talent just because of how we're all are looking at him right now. Because we saw last year's draft with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. All those guys, you thought, okay, this is going to be – one of these guys is going to hit and be immediate Justin Herbert-type hype. None of them have hit, have hit so far. Uh, Mac Jones has looked like the best, but he it, – it doesn't really necessarily always look like he's the one winning the games. It's just, you know, the defense is keeping it close, and then they have a really solid running game as well, and they're not really forcing him to do a whole lot, so – It's funny because, yeah, Mac Jones ends ends up looking the best. Uh, San Francisco traded up for um, Trey Lance, but they haven't really used him. I mean, he has been hurt. But I just think in this draft, there could be a quarterback in here that we're just not overly hyped about. Like I think Kenny Pickett is going to be really good at the next level, and I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with him as far as like we get into this draft process, because I think he's a really good quarterback out of Pitt, And I watched his game against Miami. He, he was slinging it all over the place. He looked great. Like the throws, the, the vision. I mean, he's got everything that you want. He can make the short throws, long throws, accurate throws. It's all there. And Pitt is not known for having a really big quarterback. Um, you know, it's not really a big quarterback school, but I think, this year they've stumbled upon something with this picket that I think could be usable at the next level. I still have Malik Willis. Number one, I think with his ability to be a good rusher, um, because he would, if he was a running back, he would be like in the twenties as far as running backs go. Um, But you match that with his ability to make the long throws. I mean, just some of these highlights that get put out on Twitter are just beautiful, beautiful passes. And he puts them right on the money. They're long bombs. I'm, I think we're having a little Trey Lance 2.0 here, um, as far as people judging him. But Malik Willis is only like six foot tall, so he is kind of that you know Baker Mayfield height that could be an issue at the next level. But I like to see how he tests at the combine before I completely write him off. But I, I just think he's going to be a little raw coming in, and that makes me a little nervous for him. But I still have Malik Willis number one. Still think he's good. Matt Corral. I'm have him at number two. I think Kenny Pickett could jump him by the time we get to the, to the draft itself. Um, but then after that, man, I just really see a, a drop off in talent. Like I, I just based on what we've seen in the past versus where we're at now. I mean, I'm sure a couple of these guys are going to jump into the top uh, into the first round, but like Desmond Ritter, I just don't see it. I don't see what everybody else is seeing in him. He looks good, but not great. And the problem is with the first round, you kind of want a great quarterback. You don't want a good quarterback because that's how you end up with a Haskins or, you know, one, one of those type of players where it's just like, they looked good in college, but they never looked great. And it makes me nervous for him. Um, Sam Howell, I, I still think is good. I still think he could be in there for sure. I, I'm not selling my stock on Sam Howell right now, but again, he doesn't really make me feel good about it. And then we get to the wide receivers. Kind of the biggest news from the weekend was that Drake London fractured his ankle. Um, he was one of the top uh, wide receivers in this draft class, and I don't, I don't think that the ankle is going to harm him. In the long run, um, because it's not like Jalen Waddle, who also had a similar injury. Jalen Waddle, you know, kind of relied on his speed. That's what you thought of when you thought of Jalen Waddle. It's not really what you think of when you think of Drake London. You think good possession receiver that just happens to be six five. Like he's just a behemoth of a man, and I think that he's going to be able to come back. I still think he goes in the first round. I really do. I, I don't think that this ankle fracture should scare any GMs off. It might, but I don't think it should. Um, so I still think Traylon Burks, he's still got, you know, he's got everything that you want. And then Garrett Wilson is just a beautiful route runner. And I, you know, I can't knock what he does day in and day out. Um, I've seen Chris Olave mocked in the, in the first round. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it on Twitter. I just, I, he has very flashy, good plays, but I, there's just so many, I have so many concerns um, watching him that I just don't, I don't think it's going to translate well to the next level. It's just, uh, so when they were playing Penn state, this is a similar thing that happened in the Oregon game. He tries to draw the flag rather than trying to catch the ball and like the announcers kind of brushed it off as like, oh, it was uncatchable. It should have been a PI, which it wasn't. But, and it was a good no call because most, you know, neither of the ones I'm talking about were called pass interference. But if you, if you like looked at him, he went through the theatrics of trying to make it look like a PI call. I just can you be a first round wide receiver and you're trying to draw pass interference on catches that you could potentially make? I mean, it obviously in the heat of the moment, I'm talking, I'm saying this from a podcasting seat. I'm not saying this from the field. So obviously like, you know, I, it kind of sounds even kind of stupid me saying it, but it's just, I, I just, when I see the effort there, I think, well, you know, why would you go for the cheap thing rather than actually just try to make the play happen? Because if it was PI, it would it's going to get called either way. It's better if you don't, like, do that because it almost makes it seem, it you know, to the ref, it seems like you're trying to draw the flag. So it just, I don't know, it just bothers me. And he's had a couple games this year, which I've noted in the past. Like one game, he had two targets, zero catches. And I just... Have, I can't remember a, a number, a first-round wide receiver that you didn't watch every game and think that kid's going to break the game. Like that kid's going, you know, if you watch him for the entire game, he is going to win this team the game, or he's going to put enough effort in to try. Like even Traylon Burks when they played Georgia, they were trying. It's just Georgia has a really magnificent defense, but. Some of these games with Olave, it's just he's not going against good defense. He's just eh, kind of eh, chilling out there. And he might be a solid receiver at the next level. I don't want to completely write him off, but I just have major concerns with him going forward. And I hope that I am wrong. Um, but those are just, I just think those three are the first round wide receivers: London, Burks, and Wilson. And then after that, it, it, there's a little bit of a drop-off before the next round that has Olave in it um and David Bell which i just have a little i don't know i just have some concerns with David Bell he is playing for Purdue so you can only say so much but like he and Dotson sometimes they just can't create separation from the defender and i just i, I don't know i that doesn't always translate like that exactly to the next level so i don't you know obviously like i said don't want to write him off but it's just some ticky tack things that make it seem like a second rounder more than a first rounder to me, but a lot of teams need wide receivers. So I could definitely see them going to places where they're going to get used right away. But as far as like London goes, like London, I think he was going to be used right away. Whereas the other guys aren't going to necessarily be used right away, um, because there's been a few wide receivers that I thought were going to make huge contributions coming out last year, and they have not yet, like Deami Brown, for example. So we'll see. Not selling stock, not writing anybody off. Um, London's ankle fracture does concern me a smidge, but Maybe not forever. Um, Defensive players, I haven't really. The only person I've really changed my mind about, I've just been going back and forth, is Aiden Hutchinson for Michigan. Um, some, Some games he makes like humongous plays where, you know, he looks dominant. And like some, I don't know, it's just drive to drive. Some drives he looks incredible. And then some drives I couldn't even tell you where he was at in the plays. And. You would think he would be because he's not really a sack monster. He's more of a run stuffer, and I mean, he just let Kenny Pickett do whatever he wanted to him in that second half of that game. And it's not all his fault. The scheme also plays a big role in this, but it's just I have I have problems, but I I don't know. I think the Michigan name is going to build him up. By the way, oh, and going back to wide receivers. Speaking of a name. Uh, Jameson Williams for Alabama, I think is going to sneak into the first round based on being from Alabama. I really think that, and I thought it was going to be John Mechie before the season. If you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, you will remember me saying Mechie from the beginning, but Mechie is not as good as Jameson Williams and Jameson Williams is kind of a one hit wonder right now. He can kind of came out of nowhere. So, um, I think it's going to be Jameson Williams Jameson Williams might find himself in the first round. I personally don't wouldn't grade him that way and I'm sure he's not going to get graded out that way. But the infatuation with Alabama is just too much. So, he's going to find himself up there I think by the time everything's said and done. So, let's move on. Let's let's preview some games for next week because there there's a couple matchups this week that I am just like really really excited for and i'll just start with the first one being liberty old miss so how rare is this going to be a potentially first quarterback taken in the draft versus potentially the second quarterback taken in the draft um it's insane uh yeah so matt corral versus malik willis head-to-head matchup uh 11 a.m I I, They need to put this on the big screen. It's going to be on SEC Network, which kind of is disappointing. But this is exciting to me because not only do you get to see them literally in the same matchup, but you get to see them go back and forth, potentially. I mean, it it could end up being a a terrible game, and I am sorry for hyping it up if it is a terrible game. But this is just something you don't ever see. You don't ever really see this in the regular season a potentially one quarterback versus potentially the two quarterback. It's just, it's incredible to watch, to watch, I think. Um, so I think everybody should be locked in on that Liberty old Miss game. That'll be a fun one to watch. Um, number nine, Wake Forest is taken on North Carolina this weekend. Um, Sam Howell goes up against Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest's defense is kind of not good, but, but I, I got to see what Sam Howell can do in these kind of situations. I mean, North Carolina is going to be favored in this game. So Sam Howell is going to have to, you know, prove it against an undefeated Wake Forest team that has just been able to outscore everybody so far. So I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. I think Howell is going to have to put up bonkers numbers to make this close. So interested to see what happens there. I think that's another 11 a.m. or, um, Which I'm talking in Central time, by the way. It'll be noon on the East Coast. Um, and then – From there, obviously, you could probably figure out where your time zone's at. (laughs) Um, But a couple more matchups. Michigan plays Purdue. Um, Michigan State – or Michigan – yeah, I think I said Michigan State. But Kenneth Walker going against George Carl Office in the Purdue defense. This is going to be an interesting matchup. It really is. Um, Michigan State's kind of in for a letdown game because I'm pretty sure they play Ohio State next week. But Purdue is kind of sitting there. They're sneaky, a little sneaky team. They 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 beat Iowa, and Iowa's kind of just disappeared. Um, but they beat Iowa. Kind of been flopping around like a fish since then. But Michigan State, really good team, and I'd love I love we'll love to see what um, Kenneth Walker can do. He just went against Aiden Hutchinson last week. Now he gets to go against George Carl Loftus. I'm very interested to see what happens there. So I will be glued into that one. Um, Looking down the list a little bit more. um, We have Auburn versus Texas A&M. Auburn has been very good this year. They don't really have any draft eligible people that I'm worried about just yet. Tank Tank Bigsby, the running back, looks great. Can't wait to see what he can do. Uh, Texas A&M, obviously Isaiah Spiller is somebody that we've been kind of in the tank for. Um, They're going to need him, every bit of him in this game. So, I will be interested to see what he can do in this game. Um, kind of looking further down the list, we got Alabama versus LSU, which many years that would be a big deal. This year, not quite so much. Um, but the only other game I really wanted to highlight was Texas versus Iowa State. This, you know, you got B. John Robinson, which I have major question marks about B. John Robinson. By the way, his pass protection is horrible right now. But he's only a freshman. So it's like I can't hold that against or I think he's a sophomore. Yes, sophomore. Sorry. Um so I can't hold that against him. He's still learning to play the position. But a lot of people project him to be a top 10 draft pick next year. Um in the actual overall draft and that, you know, you gotta build your way up, but you also have to be good at a lot of things. And his press pass pro is very sketchy so far. And so I need to see what he can do. But you got Bijan Robinson versus Brees Hall head to head. I'm, you know, 630 should be a good game. Should be a really good game. Um, Brees Hall, I, I don't really have many more question marks for him. He can do it all. He can pass pro like unlike B. John Robinson. But he's a he's a churning running back. And although he doesn't always hit the home run big play, It's it's one of those like grind out four yards, five yards, like just, you know, give me 30 carries. Let me just go to work. And there there's something respectable about that from from Brees Hall. So I will be interested to see what happens in that one. Texas lost three straight, so it would probably be about time for them to start, you know, playing football again. That would be pretty nice to see. Um, A lot of teams have buys this week and then like Georgia plays Mizzou. So I feel really bad for Mizzou. If you look at the stats going into that game, Mizzou is probably not going to score. Um, It's the line is 39 points. And I really think Georgia could easily cover that 39 points because, Wow. Uh, I, I, it's hard to find discrepancies like this. If you've never caught this Georgia defense, and you will when the national title rolls around, I think, um, I'm going to love watching them play Bama. If they shut Bama down like they have everyone else they've played this entire season so far, wow. I, I, I've seen people say it, and I've been saying this since the beginning of the season, it's one of the best defenses I've seen in years. A lot of people say this is one of the best defenses they've ever seen, Period. And I can't even say that that's wrong. It's just that good. You'd never see a defense play quite like this any, anymore. It's just that D-line is just ferocious. It's got NFL talent just all across it. And, I mean, N'Kobe Dean for them is just – i he is my LB1 and he will remain my LB1. He is short. He's only six foot tall. But it's just the way, the ferociousness that he plays with. Like, it's just something you don't see. And I just, you know, in a year of bad linebackers, I think that he could be the transcendent one. Um, A lot of people put Christian Harris in there. I don't don't think so. I think it's N'Kobe Dean from Georgia. I think that's the way to go. Adam Anderson, also good. Davis, good. Scene, good. Like... (laughs) Their entire defense is so good, and every, I think every player that's on that D-line is going to be an NFL talent, if not in the first round, for sure the second. I, It's so good. It's They've done a really good job of putting that together, and I am going to love to see who beats them and how they did it because that coach is going to deserve a raise, whoever can figure out how to take down the mighty Georgia defense because I – Frankly, from watching them, cannot figure out how you're going to beat them. I don't know how Clemson kept it close. I really have no idea. Clemson's defense is good, but this Georgia defense is just puts them to shame. And I think the Georgia offense maybe just couldn't figure it out in that game. But that—that's you know that's kind of where we're at, trying to figure out who, who's who. Mizzou is not going to figure out this week. I don't think this would be one of the greatest upsets of all time if Georgia lost to Mizzou. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. Don't want to say that's my prediction, but still, it'll be funny to see. So, all right, that's really all I got to say this week. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, please, if you're in the discord, please just keep talking college football. I love talking college football. Um, obviously you can catch me on the offensive points podcast where we talk all college or all fantasy football and a little bit of pro football, just kind of talk you know, you've heard Joe on this podcast from time to time. So that'll be interesting. Or it, it's very good. Listen. So, and, and I think that it's interesting, but you know, obviously I'm the host of it. So that would be why I think that. So follow off at offensive points on Twitter, follow at the IDP army. Um Got a lot of big things in the works, so I cannot wait to see what ends up happening. Uh Watch some college football this weekend. Um, my team's off Oklahoma. So I don't have to sweat out another weird victory because that's apparently all Oklahoma wants to play until they smashed Texas Tech this past weekend. And Caleb Williams looks like a Heisman player, but that's for another time. Um, But that's all I got for you this week. Thank you for tuning in. Go watch some college football. Go watch some pro football. Follow at the IDP Army on everything that you can think of and socially. Um, I will see you next week.